Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our second last week in our nine-week sermon series looking at engaging the gospel. Uh, all series long, we've been trying to discuss uh, questions or problems that might come up as we share the gospel with our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. And I've actually heard from a few people through email uh, or through phone call or through some Facebook messages that they found some of these messages to share and the, and the answers to some or the good news answers to some of these uh, common problems or questions uh, really helpful as they try to share the gospel amidst this global pandemic that we're in. And I wanted to just start today by encouraging you. Wherever you are, I just want to encourage you. I want to keep encouraging you to share the good news with people. People want to hear about hope. People need to hear about hope. They want to hear about love and compassion, grace and mercy and purpose in living. They want to hear about those things and they need to hear about those things. People want to hear a message that tells them that they are cared for by others, that they are cared for by you. I want to remind you and encourage you this week that just because our building doors are closed doesn't mean that we have stopped being the church and that our job as the church has changed at all. It doesn't mean that our job has changed or we've stopped being the church. Those things carry on. I was chatting with a friend recently actually about this and what kind of things and struggles the church was going through. And she mentioned how no one could have predicted that the church or church building doors were going to be closed for this long. And they're going to be closed for basically the, the vast majority of the last year and a half. And I thought about it and I thought, maybe they've been closed this long because we needed them to be closed this long so that we could get the point. So that we could get the point that church is not about the building. Church is about the family, the community, the group of people who are gathered together to worship the Lord and to do his work. And today I actually want to talk about that community. Today I want to talk about the group of people that are gathered to be the church. Our question and our problem today has to do with that community, that family, that group of believers gathered together. And so we're going to start with that question. The question that you might hear, and perhaps you'll hear it this week, or perhaps you've heard it before, as you go about sharing the gospel or talking about uh, Jesus with friends, might sound something like this. I would like to be a part of a community that welcomes and loves me, but the church is full of these self-righteous people who will just judge me. Why would I want to go to a place like that? Why would I want to go to a place like that, especially when I don't understand the language and the words that they use and all that old school singing stuff? So that's the question, or it's a group of kind of related questions there. And you might hear this or others like it as you talk to people about Jesus. And so at the root of this question, what is the problem or what is the root problem that this question is getting at? And see, I think we can see the problem quite clearly, actually, if we step back for a little bit. If we step back and look at ourselves as the church globally or the church objectively, I think we will see the problem quite readily. And it's unfortunate when you see it. When you step back and you see what the problem is, it's unfortunate. And you'll see that today, the church, especially in the church in the West, which is the church that most of us are most familiar with, uh, we have earned a reputation for being three things. And I think that's what the root of this, this question or the problem is getting at. So we've earned a reputation for three things in the West. We've been earned a reputation that says we are hypocritical. We've earned a reputation that says we are judgmental. And we have earned a reputation that says we are homophobic. These three things come up constantly in surveys about why you don't go to church. When we ask people, why don't you go to church? These three things top the list almost every single time. In questionnaires, feedback forms, critiques or criticisms of the church, these three things come up all the time. That we are hypocritical, judgmental, and homophobic. 
Now, some of us might want to just automatically decry that and say, well, people are wrong. We're not those things. They're just wrong. And I want to say, though, I want to counter that. And I want to say that this reputation we've earned of being these three things, I'm going to say it is at least partly deserved. We've earned those labels in many places throughout the global church. We've earned the label of being hypocritical. If you look back through a recent church history or uh, the, the grass, or sorry, the grander scale of a full church history, if you look at these things, you'll find countless examples of pastors, church leaders, deacons, elders, etc. saying, don't do this, while secretly in the closet they are doing these things. And then they get caught doing these things in secret. You'll find Christian leaders and Christians from the pews alike saying things like adultery is bad and then shaming others who are caught in adultery but then themselves will get caught out in an affair or caught out visiting prostitutes on the weekends. If we are honest with ourselves and we step back, we have at least partly earned the reputation of being hypocritical. And we've earned the judgmental label too. Historically and recently, I would argue. Historically, I think if we just look at the countless times that throughout history the church has acted or taken it upon ourselves to act as judge, jury, and executioner, we led inquisitions. We led burning at the stake those who disagreed with us. We ran people out of town whose differences of opinions we called heresy. We've, we've murdered in the name of conversion and evangelism. We have acted as judge, jury, and executioner at many times throughout history. And I mean, recently, I can see that we've earned the judgmental label too. Just go on social media and go find a, a, a Facebook post or a tweet of a famous Christian author or leader or pastor or someone. Find their tweet and then go through the comments. Go read the comments of well-meaning Christian people and you'll see both sides of Christianity, the, the liberal aspect of Christianity and the more conservative aspect of Christianity, and you will see them hurling insults and hatred and condemnation and judgment all at one another, just hurling insults at one another. Think about your own experiences growing up in the church. If you grew up in the church or you grew up going to the church, perhaps you have seen some of the hypocrisy or some of the judgmental attitudes that are sometimes prevalent in churches. And so if we're honest, I think that we have at least partially earned that label of being judgmental too. And finally, I think we have earned the label of being homophobic too. This one, I think if we step back, it is quite easy to see where we have earned it. See, there's a big difference between saying, I think this thing might be a sin, but I am going to love that person. I'm going to love them with all my heart. I'm going to do everything I can to care for that person, show compassion to that person, and I'm going to treat them exactly like Jesus would treat them if he was here. There's a difference between saying that and saying, God hates that person because of their sin, and so I also hate them too. Those are two very different statements. See, there are churches out there with websites, and, and I'm going to use the exact wording of those websites here, so forgive me for the language of it. But there are churches out there with light websites that say things like godhatesfags.com or allfagsgotohell.com. Those are actual websites run by churches. There was a few churches that picketed the funerals of young people who died in the Pulse nightclub mass shooting. If you're not familiar with the shooting, which is a few weeks, or sorry, a few years ago, a, a young man, a shooter, entered this club in the States called Pulse Nightclub, which is primarily a gay nightclub, and he shot and killed 49 people, and he shot and wounded another 53 people because of their sexual orientation. He murdered and wounded 100 people because of their sexual orientation. 
And instead of trying to help, instead of showing love to people who are grieving the loss of family members, instead of supporting a broken and grieving community, some churches showed up and picketed the funerals and wouldn't allow family members to go into the funerals. Now, I'm not here to argue theology with you or to discuss whether it is sin or not a sin, because truth be told, what I do know is that Jesus is super clear that our job is to love people, and sinners are included in that list of who we are to love. So regardless of where you stand on this issue, I think I can safely say that I'd, I'd be willing to guarantee Jesus wouldn't be outside picking in the funerals of those who had just died in a horrific mass shooting like this. And so I think if we step back, again, I think we have at least partially earned that label of being homophobic too. Now, I want to be super clear here. I want to be very clear what I'm saying. I am not saying that those labels apply directly to every church community out there, every, every local church out there, because that is just clear that those labels do not apply to every local church out there. Not every church has acted in the ways that have earned these labels or that have deserved these labels, uh, labels of being hypocritic and, and judgmental or homophobic. Not every church can be described by those labels. However, some churches, some Christians, have acted in ways that have earned all of us those labels. Some of us have acted in ways that have earned those labels ourselves. I have been judgmental in my life, and at times I still am judgmental. I have been hypocritical in my life. We have at least partially earned those labels. And most unfortunate about all this is that the loudest churches, the ones that make the most noise, the ones that are often in the news, the ones that least, or sorry, are the ones that least represent us well. The ones that we see on CH News and Global News and Fox News, the ones that they're writing about in all these magazines, those are the churches that often don't represent the rest of us well. I saw this example this week, actually, of how this plays out. And a friend asked me, he said, why can't all of you churches just follow the rules like everyone else and shut down? And I understood why he asked that. I totally understood why he asked that. And it's a fair question because the only churches that he sees are the ones that are in the news. And the ones in the news lately are the ones flouting the government rules, the ones that are saying that they don't have to obey and all of those things. And so I told him, I said, well, actually, just so you know, of the hundreds of churches in this region, in the Waterloo region, of the hundreds of churches that are here, I only know of one that's flouting the rules. I only know of one that could be described by what you're saying. The rest of us have opted to adapt, to change, to challenge ourselves, to grow and meet this new way of doing ministry in a completely virtual world. So out of those churches, the one that you're seeing the most of doesn't describe the other 299 of us very well. So that small handful of churches that act this way, I don't think it, it represents the, the global or the greater body of local churches. But unfortunately, though, it is the churches that are on the news that others see. That's the ones who make the, the headlines that people outside the church judge the rest of us by. And they apply all of those labels to everyone who goes by the name Christian. And so the problem is that we have at least partially earned those labels as the global church. And so we need to work our butts off to overcome those labels. We need to work our butts off to overcome those stereotypes. We need to overcome the labels that have been unfairly applied at times and fairly applied at times. And we need to overcome those things as communities of Jesus-loving people all over the world. Why would a non-church person 
want to join a community with labels and characteristics like judgmental, hypocritical, and homophobic? Why would they want to be part of that? And the answer is, is that they won't. They won't want to be part of that. No one would want to join that kind of a community if those were the primary labels of that community. And so if that's the question and that's the problem, then what's the good news then? Well, the good news, the great news really, is that most of our local church communities, most of the individual churches out there that make up the global church, most of the Jesus-loving people around the world are communities that have not earned those labels or do not deserve those labels that are applied to them. And the good news, though, is that even if we have partially earned those labels, even if individually or globally or locally, us as churches, we have partly earned those labels, we know that we are not called to be those labels. We are called to be something so much more than that. And so we know we must do everything we can to overcome those stereotypes. And so we should start first, then, with what kind of place we are supposed to be. What kind of labels should we be known by? What kind of community should we be characterized as? I'm going to read what I think is one of the very best descriptions in the Bible when it comes to what the community of Jesus-loving people that we know as the church, what we should be known by. Paul writes about it quite clearly in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. I'm going to read that for you here. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has anything against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to be peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude and thankfulness in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what kind of community is the church supposed to be? What kind of label should we have? Well, Paul says it right here, and let's go through a little bit of what Paul says. Now, the first thing he says, and, and we kind of probably, we, we probably gloss over it, I'll be honest, I did it a few times too. It says, you are a dearly loved people. He calls us a dearly loved people, people that are dearly loved by God. And it's good to start there and to note that first, because I've said this before, hurt people hurt other people, and loved people love other people. And so if we start as a community that says we are loved by God, God loves us and would give anything for us, then I think there's a better chance that we will be people that love others too. So it's good to start by recognizing that we are a community that is loved. We are a people that is loved. And then next, Paul gives us a list of some things of virtues that we are to clothe ourselves with, or some characteristics or labels that we should clothe ourselves with. And I think this is a beautiful image, because up to this point in the letter, Paul has essentially been saying to the church in Colossia, saying, don't be this, don't do this, stop doing these things. And here he kind of changes his tune. In verse 12, he sort of changes his tune, and he says, instead, be these things, or rather, be these things. It's like Paul is saying, take off these dirty, old, rugged rags that you used to clothe yourself with, and instead, here are your new clothes. Here are the new things that you should wear. And this week, I really thought about something when it comes to labels and clothes. They're fairly related. 
In popular culture today, they are really related. It's, it's almost as if your clothes don't actually matter. The clothes you're wearing don't actually matter. It is the label on them that matters. See, it doesn't really matter if the shirt you're wearing keeps you warm in popular culture. It doesn't really matter if, if the shirt you're wearing stops you from getting sunburned. It doesn't matter if it is moisture wicking or what kind of patterns are on it. What really matters in popular culture is the label on your clothes. And so I love Paul's analogy because I think it rings true today. Paul is saying, take off your old clothes with those old labels on them. Here are the new clothes with new labels on them that you will be known by today. And he says the labels on those clothes should read the following. He says they should read compassion. They should read kindness. They should read gentleness, humility, patience. Paul says the labels on your new clothes read these things. So put these things on and be these things. And then he says over all of those things, over all of that, cover it with love. Wrap all that up with love, for love is the thing that binds those things together. And I love that, because it reminds you that you have to do something to put on those things. You have to do something to wear those new clothes. When I get up in the morning, my pants don't magically float onto my body. That would be super cool, and I'm sure that somewhere out there people are trying to design a robot with a Google Home or something on it that puts your pants on for you magically. But it doesn't work like that, does it? When we get out of bed, we have to put our pants on, we have to get them and put them on one leg at a time. I have to do some work to put on my clothes. And I think it's fair to say that you have a responsibility to do that work and put on these clothes too. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. Paul says wear those things, put those things on, let those new labels be known or be what you are known by. Now he doesn't say, now... If that's not your natural characteristic, don't worry about it. Someone else can be gentle. You don't have to worry about being gentle. If gentleness is not your natural characteristic, don't worry about that. You go ahead and keep being a jerk. You just keep being a jerk. That's totally fine because you're not naturally gentle. No, see, Paul says we are all supposed to put on those things. And I believe today we are all called to wear those things, to wear those new clothes. See, I'm not naturally a patient person myself. I don't, I'm not naturally patient. My grandfather was not naturally the most patient person in the world. My dad is not naturally the most patient in the world. And I'm not naturally the most patient in person in the world. But that doesn't mean that I get to keep being impatient. That doesn't mean that I get to say, well, patience is not a natural characteristic of mine. Therefore, I don't have to be patient. Paul doesn't say that that's okay. Paul says we need to work at putting on those new clothes. So I need to work at becoming a patient person. I need to work at wearing clothes that say patience across the front of them. It doesn't come naturally, so I have to put in some work. So read that list again yourself. Gentleness, compassion, kindness, humility, patience. Does compassionate describe you? Does kindness describe you? Does gentleness describe you? What about humility or patience? Are those words that accurately describe you and that others would use to describe you? See, I'm willing to guarantee that not everything on that list describes you. I'm willing to say that most of us have at least one thing on that list that isn't really a great description of us. If you're looking at that list and go, no, Luke, I am perfect at all of those things, and everyone I know says I am perfect at all those things, then please come show me how, because I need work. I'm willing to guarantee that all of us have at least one of those things on that list that we can look at and go, yeah, I've got to work at putting that clothes on better. I've got to work at getting that label. You can't just say, well, that isn't for me. 
I'm not supposed to wear that label. Paul says we're supposed to clothe ourselves with all of these things, and so that means we do. If current labels, or if the current labels in our church community, the family of Jesus loving people, if those current labels, the, the current clothes we're wearing, if it says hypocritical, judgmental, and homophobic across the front of those labels, then we need to throw out those old clothes. We need to get rid of those dirty old rags, and we need to change into our new clothes, those new labels. We need to change those labels and work at it. So instead of those old things, our new labels say compassionate, kind, gentle, humble, patient. We need to work at it so that those things say love over all of those things. See, love is the thing that binds them all together. And I love that Paul says that. Because love has to be the reason we do all those things. Love has to be the reason that we do everything. See, Paul says to be compassionate because we love. To be kind because we love. To be gentle because we love. To be humble because we love. To be patient because we love. He says, be a thankful people, to, people to, 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 to be people that are forgiving, to be people that are peaceful. And all these things, Paul says, you're supposed to do because we love. And all that started with God loving us. At the beginning, says God says you are, or Paul says you are a people that are loved by God. Do all these things and over all that, cover it with love too. See, love has to be the motive, not our own selfish gain, not, not a better job or, or, or a raise or a better home, not more respect or more power, not getting a bigger church budget or putting more butts in the pews. All of those things we are supposed to do simply because we love. See, the good news is that Jesus has called us to be that kind of community, to be a community and a people that wear those new clothes, those new labels. And the great news is that he has also equipped us to be those things, to become that kind of community. We can love because he loves us. We can forgive because God forgave us. We can be peaceful because Jesus modeled peace for us. We can show compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, humility. We can show all those things because Jesus lived that in his life and showed us how to be those things. And we can be thankful because we have all those things to be grateful for and so much more to be grateful for too. The good news is it is so possible to be that community that wears those new clothes with those new labels. And we are called to be that community and Jesus will equip us to be that community. See, the Holy Spirit is here right now, wherever you are. He's here to help you, to challenge you, to encourage you. You don't have to work at this by yourself. If you lack patience like me, you don't have to do it on your own, but you can reach out and ask the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit help you as you become a patient person. Let Jesus guide you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let, them, let Him help transform you from being an impatient person like me to being a person that is known for your patience. We are called to be that kind of community. We are called to be a community that loves, one that shows compassion to people, one that is gentle with people, one that is humble and kind towards anyone. We are called to be a community to everyone, or sorry, to be that community to everyone who's already here as part of our community, but also to everyone who is not yet here, that is not yet part of our community. We are called to be those things to all people. And the good news is that Jesus can help us do it. And it would be a lot easier if we stopped trying to do it ourselves and instead rely on him for his help. 
So if the good news is that we aren't supposed to be the hypocritical, judgmental, homophobic labels that we have been given, but instead we are called to be compassionate, kind, gentle, humble, patient, loving, and that Jesus will help us be that community and that he can help us and equip us to be that community, then if that's the great news, what is our message to share? I think the message to share that we have is to live as that community to live as that type of community, to overcome the stereotypes and the labels that have been applied to us and instead to wear these new clothes, to live as a community that is patient, to live as people who are kind and compassionate and gentle. Our message can be to work to overcome those labels that historically we have at least partially earned. And like Paul says to the Colossians, to get rid of those old ragged clothes and to instead clothe ourselves with these new labels. We can be a community that is loving, gentle, compassionate, kind, humble, forgiving. A community that everyone will want to be part of. That's a community anyone would desire to join. No one wants to be part of that other community, that hypocritical, judgmental, homophobic, hateful community. No one wants to join that community, but everyone would desire to be the part of the community that Paul says we should be and that Jesus modeled for us to be. So... Let's get rid of those old rags. Let's put on those new clothes. Let's share this community, this new way of living with others. Let's invite others into the community that Jesus tells us we can be. Let's be the community we were called to be. Let's be the community Jesus has equipped us to be. And let's bring others into that community too. Because that's the kind of community that I know people will want to be part of. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that you modeled kindness and gentleness and humbleness and patience and humility. You modeled those things for us. Jesus, thank you that you have modeled love for us. Father, thank you for forgiveness. We have so much to be thankful for. Lord, help us to be that kind of a community with these new labels, with these new clothes. Help us to be known for our patience and our compassion, our gentleness, our humbleness, our love. Help us to be known for these things and not those negative stereotypes that have been applied to all of us. Lord, help us and challenge us to work to overcome those stereotypes. May we be the type of community that others desire to be part of. When they see our love and see our patience and they see our gentleness and our humbleness, would they think of you? Would they always be drawn towards you? Lord, in everything we do, may all the glory always go to you and not to us. We thank you for everything you do in Jesus' name.